that will be listening online. Lord, we just thank you that, that your wisdom is being revealed and, and that, that it falls on good ground because we come expecting with open hearts to hear your word just right for us that we might learn and draw closer to you, Lord, because we are dis your disciples and we wish to draw closer to you and to become more like you. So lead and guide us, Lord, and show us the way. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You must flee in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just thank you, and we ask that you bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, oh, you, oh, there she is. Ready for our confession, honey? All right. So who's got their Bibles tonight? Oh, yeah. All right. Ready? That's it. Yep. All right. This is it's my, my Bible. Bible. It's true, and, and the final was, authority. Yeah, to throw that me was, off. That was, my that book was is God talking, talking to me. me. I read yes. this word. Pause. Pause. I don't know what happened tonight. You, you threw me off. I didn't throw anybody off. Anyways, what do you mean I let's go. Ready, set. This, this is my Bible. It is always true, and, and the, the final, final authority. authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the Spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, we do have two prayer requests tonight. Um, Ms. Crystal, that we've been praying for as a colleague of Ms. Bridget's, uh, the cancer has greatly shrunk. Yay. Um, however, there's still a lesion that needs to go away, and it's caused the doctors to not be in agreement with Crystal's treatment. Uh, so we need the we need this lesion to completely uh, go away, to completely dissolve and be gone, and uh, for the doctors to get in agreement uh, with the plan of God for her healing. Oh, there's two. That's right. Okay. So, uh, and they're greatly reduced. So we just we just need to, you know, just keep standing against the devil and uh, standing in agreement for her healing. And then Miss Sandy, Bridget's mom, uh, you know, she's been up against it with uh, different things with healing, and God's come through for her time and time again. Uh, we were praying that she'd have a good outcome with the doctor's visit she had about uh, the swelling in the veins in her legs. And uh, the doctor's report, um, which is not higher than God's report, the doctor's report is that there's not anything that the doctors can really do to help with the swelling at this point. Uh, so other than, other than to, mm -hmm. you know, just Amen. some basic things. Um, but but uh, God's report is higher. Amen. Uh, God's word is higher. Um, and so we just need to pray that Miss uh, Sandy does not grow weary in well-doing, uh, that she continues to fight the fight of faith, uh, and that uh, God supernaturally, you know, you, creative miracles are not done away. Creative miracles have not gone away. In fact, we had a creative miracle uh, with Pastor Mike's knuckle just a few months ago. Uh, we've had a creative knuckle uh, uh, uh Miracle with my finger. It's not completely straight yet, but it's getting straighter and straighter every day. Um, and uh, so, you know, creative miracles are not done away. And so Miss Sandy needs a little bit of a creative mi uh, miracle in that she needs uh, her veins and her arteries to be strengthened. Or maybe she just needs some brand new ones. Just some brand new ones that function perfectly to the Father's design. That would just be, you know, phenomenal. And I've always taught when it comes to healing, you always believe for the miracle. You always put your faith out there for the miracle. Always. Um, you know, uh, just, just believe because the only thing that, 
uh, denies us our miracles is our own is our own belief. Jesus said, "If you will believe, nothing is impossible." Amen. Nothing is impossible for those that believe. So I just want to lift those two up real quick. I know we've already prayed for the services. Just lift these two people up real quick. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you're already here with us, that you're gathered with us, because we're gathered in prayer and fellowship around you, around you and around your word. Father, you've already heard the request, but Father, we continue to stand in agreement with Crystal that every cancerous cell in her body, every cancerous legion in her body, especially on her liver, Father God, that they dissolve, they dissolve completely and uh, without any be any cancer cells left behind in her body anywhere that they'll not move or, or uh, transport to another area of her body, but instead they, they uh, wither up, they die, and they return back to the pits of hell where they originated from. And, Father, that her body is healed whole and well. We ask that you bring the doctors into agreement with her treatment plan, one that works well for her, and, that, and, Father, we continue to stand in agreement that she will have those 40 years of, of uh, marriage with her husband that she's believing you for and without sickness and complications and delays. And, Father, we lift up Miss Sandy to you. Father, we thank you for all the divine healings that you have worked in her body. You have worked in conjunction with the doctors time and time again. Now, Father, at this point, the doctors are at their limit. But, Father, we thank you that we know Jehovah Rapha. We know that you are Jehovah Rapha, the great physician. We know that your word tells us that there's nothing too hard for you. So, Father, we speak to her veins. We speak to her arteries and her legs, and we command them to be renewed, to be strengthened, to come into line with the Creator's original design in Jesus' mighty name. And we stand with her, and we command that fluid to come off right now in Jesus' mighty name, and that excess fluid to never return in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. Thank you, Father. Father, sustain her. I, I failed, Father. Sustain her in the fight of faith. Bring her to a place of victory in her fight. And, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Well, glory to God. Praise you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. Yes, Miss Brooke as well. Father, we do lift up Miss Brooke. Father God, she's been fighting uh, some illness in her body, standing against it, and it's affecting her work, Father God. And so, Father, we just speak to her body. We command health and healing, wholeness to enter into her all sickness of every type to leave her and be eradicated from her body in Jesus' mighty name. Father, that we ask that the Holy Spirit come upon her and strengthen her, equipping her to get, uh, to, equipping her in every area of life. We speak to her work situation. We command it to come up and come into line and that um, everything would be caught up quickly, that she'd have supernatural favor with her bosses and with you and that uh, that, Father, just the perfect assignment, the perfect job, the permanent assignment, the permanent job that allows her to work the full week um, but not have long, excessive days and uh, that doesn't keep her away from, you, from, from uh, serving you and your kingdom as she so desires to. And, Father, we give you all the glory and the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Glory to God. Amen and amen. Well, we're in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And uh, we've, this is actually our third week, I'm sorry, in uh, Galatians chapter 3. And uh, Pastor Mike, you know, he, he, we started off in Galatians and he talked about um, uh, uh, something. Martin, uh, Martin, Martin, Luther. Martin Luther, thank right. you. Martin Luther, having taught on the book of Galatians for six months, and uh, I think he's started us in a pattern. Because no, we've been stuck in chapter 3 for what is now our third week. Uh, but no, we're going to make progress. I hope to conclude chapter 3 tonight, but we'll just see which way the Holy Spirit takes us. 
uh, if you didn't come with an expectation, now's your opportunity. God responds quickly. Now, listen, don't make it your habit to not make an expectation until you get to church. Uh, because uh, when you come to church and you say, oh, Lord, by the way, or halfway through the sermon, oh, by the way, Lord, here's my expectation, you might have to come to another service to get that expectation met. I mean, he's a quick God, but come on. He's working through imperfect but, people. And then you also have to, what is your expectation? You, right. can't, you can't be going, oh, okay, so my expectation should be that we finish chapter 3 today. Yeah, no. <laughs> no That's easy enough. Oh, we're done. You know. No, your expectation should be that you get a revelation that impacts your life in such a way that change comes. Amen. That change comes. You, you know, and here's the deal. You may have a you may have a verse that you've been struggling to understand for years. Let me help you. Let me help you. I don't know. Maybe we won't get through chapter three tonight. <laughs> Let me help you. The Bible is not written by man. The Bible was yes, man put pen to paper. But the, he, but man did it under the inspiration the of the Holy inspiration Ghost. Inspiration of the Holy Ghost. It, uh, the Bible is actually not a book; it's a library. It's a library of sixty-six letters written by four. I believe it's forty-three. My numbers might be a little off tonight because uh, I haven't looked at it in a while. By by forty-three, I think authors over a period of fifteen hundred years. These 66 letters written over a period of 1,500 years do not contradict each other. In fact, they completely support one another. Oh, no, no, now I know that the Bible contradicts itself because in one area it says to, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Go in. The Old Testament says to go in, kill the men, the women, the children, and the New Testament says walk in love. Well, you're taking scriptures completely out of context. Completely out of context. Um, so you can't do that. You have to keep the Bible in context. And so sometimes, because we're trying to keep the scriptures in context, it takes a lot to explain a scripture. What do I mean by keeping it in context? What I mean by that is you have to rightly divide the word and what and, and, and what so what you have to do in order to do that, in fact, if you're taking notes, if you don't already know these steps, you need to write these down. You need to ask, what is the setting? What is the atmosphere? Where are they? Are they in a synagogue? Are they in the public square? Uh, you know, what's how, are they talking to a king? Are they talking to servants? What's the setting? You need to ask, who is talking? You know, and, and honestly, who is talking uh, is usually pretty straightforward, but who they're talking to is not always straightforward. For example, over in Ezekiel, I believe it's chapter 32, uh, in one minute, uh, the prophet is talking to the king. The next minute, the prophet is talking to uh, the spirit of Satan that's operating through the king. You know, in one minute, Jesus is talking to Peter about and asking Peter, who did the man say that I am? And Peter gives a perfect, perfect answer. Oh, well, you're Christ the Messiah. And Jesus compliments him and says, Peter, you're fan Peter, that's a fantastic job. It's based on that revelation that you have right there, based on that revelation right there, that's where I'm going to build the church on, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose in heaven will be loosed on the earth. And the gates of hell will not prevail against my kingdom, and what have you. And then Jesus says, now, uh, uh, boys, because he's there with all of his disciples, and he's uh, with, with the 12 main disciples, and he says, now, boys, you need to know, I'm fixing to die. I'm fixing to be delivered up to die. And instantly, all of the sudden, Peter becomes emotional. He comes overwhelmed with his emotions, and he begins to talk out of his emotions. Well, who stirred his emotions? 
Satan stirred his emotions. And so Jesus, I mean, he was so emotionally stirred that he grabbed the Messiah by his clothes and rebuked him, which means he basically yelled at Jesus. Don't say you're going to die. Oh, don't say you're going to die. Whatever you're going to do, I'm going to do the same. Because we're not having this. i got to have you with me all the days. What's he doing? He's speaking out of emotion. And Jesus turns around and looks at Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you're an offense off to me. Now, was, was Jesus talking to Peter when he called him, when he said Satan? No, he was talking to the spirit that was stirring Peter's emotions. So when, you, when you're rightly dividing the word, you have to look at the setting. You have to look at who's talking. You have to look at who they're talking to, and it can change in an instant. You have to ask, what is the subject matter? What is the subject matter? Are, you know, are we talking about money? Are we talking about you know, prosperity, general prosperity? Are we talking about the blessings? Are we talking about the curse? Are we talking about this natural life? Or are we talking about supernatural? What's the subject? And, and honestly, between talking natural and supernatural, that can change in an instant, and it can go back and forth, or they can be talking about both at the same time. The other thing that you have to ask is um, not only the not only who's talking, who are they talking to, what's the setting, what's the subject matter. You also have to ask, what covenant are they talking about? Are they talking about the old covenant? Or are they talking in the is this is this occurring in the old covenant? Is this occurring in the new covenant? Are they in the new covenant and talking about how things went in the old covenant? That matters. Because things were different between the two covenants. For example, it took me several years to learn that when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all still under the Old, co- old Covenant. Why? Because Jesus had not yet fulfilled the Gospels or uh, fulfilled the prophecies. He had not yet fulfilled the Old Covenant. That is until you get to the end of each gospel. Now, once they get to the end of each gospel and Jesus has died and been resurrected, then you move over into the New Testament and he gives us some instructions that actually bring change. So there's, so when you study your body, and why did I say all of this? Because you need to understand this. Listen to me very carefully. When you, when you read your scriptures... There are going to be things that you are not going to understand right out the gate. For example, you know, and I'll give you this example. Kenneth Hagin had the one scripture that said, uh, may the Lord preserve you blameless uh, spirit, soul, and body. And for 15 years, Dad Hagin meditated, talked to, talked to many ministers, talked to the Lord himself, about what does, what's the difference between spirit, soul, and body. And for 15 years, he didn't know. He's a, he's a minister. He's standing in the pulpit, and he doesn't know the difference between spirit, soul, and body. In fact, none of the ministers knew. They all assumed that spirit and soul were one and the same thing. And then all of a sudden, it dropped down inside Kenneth Hagin, Reverend Kenneth Hagin, you know what? I think I ought to just accept the fact that God wrote the word and he knows what he's talking about. And the spirit and the soul and the body are three different parts. And all of a sudden, when he accepted the word for what the word said, all of a sudden, revelation came. Revelation came. So when you study the scriptures... If there's something that you don't understand, this is how you respond. Father, I don't understand that. I'm going to need you to explain it to me and teach it to me. And, and sit there and, and wait a few minutes because sometimes he'll explain it to you right then. And then other times, but if you don't get that understanding fairly quickly, just say, well, Father, I don't understand that scripture, but I'm going to move on. And I, and I just thank you that you'll bring me the understanding of it later, later. Uh, because the other thing that you have to understand is the Bible is written in layers. You know, uh, Kenneth Hagin 
told, you remember, remember Kenneth Hagin? Uh, he had a vision of Jesus. Remember Jesus came to him and Jesus was talking to him about um, that we have authority in, in, in the name of Christ. We have power and authority in the name of Christ. And uh, all of a sudden in, the, in this vision, uh, there's uh, this little monkey looking thing, an imp. This little imp comes, run, comes going back and forth, kind of running kind of trotting, really, back and forth between Kenneth Hagin and Jesus in this vision. And he's got this little sensor thing that blows out smoke. It's puffing smoke out. And uh, so, so he's putting up a smoke screen between Ken uh, Hagin and Jesus. And the whole time he's running back and forth, he's going, yakety-yak, 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 yakety-yak. In other words, the demon wasn't saying anything. He was just making a bunch of noise and a bunch of commotion. And, she, and, and Kenneth Hagin, and in the meanwhile, Jesus is still just talking. Jesus is still giving instructions about our authority and using the name of Jesus and how we operate. And Ken Hagen was getting frustrated because it got to the point where he could not clearly hear the Lord Jesus nor see him. And out of pure frustration of his spirit, all of a sudden in the vision, he said, stop in the name of Jesus. And that little demon, that little imp, fell to the floor right where it was and began to whimper softly. And the smoke began to clear. But he just laid there whimpering. And again, out of and, and, and it was enough just to be an irritation. So again, by frustration of the spirit in the vision, Ken Hagen said, Get out of here in the name of Jesus. And that little imp jumped up and ran off and never came back. He said, get out of here and don't come back. And the imp never came back. And Jesus began to talk to Ken Hagen about this. And uh, Jesus said, uh, he's, Jesus basically, I'm just summarizing. Jesus said, uh, I'm, I'm sure glad you did something about that devil because had you not done something, I could not have done something. And Dad Hagen said, excuse me, Jesus, I could not have heard you right. Could you say that again? And Jesus said, yeah. He said, if you had not done something about that demon, I could not have done something about that demon. And he, uh, Dad Hagen said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus. Wait, hold on. He said, Jesus, I couldn't have possibly heard you correctly. He said, and he kind of, kind of tilted his ears a little bit and kind of leaned in a little closer. And he said, Jesus. He said, Dear Lord Jesus, he has been very humble, very respectful. He was fear and trembling was upon him. And he said, He said, Dear Dear Lord Jesus, I don't mean any disrespect at all, and I'm not trying to, to um uh argue with you in any way. He said, But there's no way I could have heard you proper correctly. I, I heard you say that you couldn't do anything about that demon when you meant to say you wouldn't do anything about that demon. And uh, the Lord Jesus said, no, son. He said, I said, if you had not done something about that demon, I could not have done something about that demon. And so this time, uh, Reverend Kenneth Hagin reaches up and kind of shakes out his ear and wiggles it again and, and very respectfully, very reverently addresses is Jesus again by now Jesus is irritated and uh, he, he asked him one more time he said you can read this account in the believers authority and uh, he said he asked him one more time he said uh, Jesus again Lord I don't mean any disrespect or anything I just uh, you uh, I, I heard you say that you couldn't but you meant to say you wouldn't and, uh, and I'm just kind of shortening it up. And Jesus, he said that Jesus very sternly, with, uh, with, with almost like with lightning out of his eyes, very sternly looked at him and said, No, I said I couldn't. And uh, he said, well, well, dear Lord, uh, what do you mean you couldn't? I'm just summarizing it. You can go read the whole testimony. He said, what do you mean you couldn't? And Jesus said, I gave all of my authority to my church before I ascended on high. 
He said, if you had not used my name about that toward that demon, there's nothing I could have done about that demon because all of my authority belongs to my church. And, and, and now this is why I said all that. Kenneth Hagin said, well, Lord Jesus, he said, you know I'm a stickler for the word. We've got to be sticklers for the word. He said, oh, you know I'm a stickler for the word, and unless you can show me two to three witnesses in the New Testament where we have your authority and you're not going to do anything about the devil, that you can't do anything about the devil because you've given us the authority, uh, unless you can give me two or three witnesses in, in the New Testament, I'm not going to believe it even though you're standing right in front of me. Now, that's wisdom because the devil can appear as an, as a, as an angel of light. And uh, so we back everything up with the word. And uh, Jesus, is, he, he said this. He said, Jesus uh, said, oh, I'm sorry, I left a part out. He said, you've got to give me uh, two to three scriptures in the New Testament because, Lord Jesus, I have read the New Testament through at least 150 times and some parts of it more than that. And if there's anything, any such thing in there about us having your authority, I surely haven't seen it. And this was Jesus' response. He said that Jesus leaned in and smiled sweetly and said, Dear son, there's a lot in there that you don't know. See, there's a lot in the Bible that we miss every time we read it. Miss Sweet Stacy, she's been waiting on me for, I don't know, three weeks to explain one chapter in the Bible to her. And I said, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm getting there. I'm working on it. Hold on. I got you. I'm hoping to finish it today, and I don't finish it. I'm hoping to get to it. I'm, I'm working on it. My family will attest, Miss Stacy, I've been working on it. Brianna will attest to it. Uh, because in order to explain, and you'll understand fully when you get it, but in order to explain to her that, I have to follow the rules of interpretation. And so I've got to go through a whole lot to explain that one chapter. Uh, and, but here's the amazing thing. That's one of my most favorite chapters in the whole entire Bible. And now that I'm sitting down and I'm having to explain it piece by piece, I'm seeing stuff I ain't ever seen before. And I'm like, ah, oh, hold on, back up. We're going to, ah, oh, ah, oh, Jesus. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm, you know. So my point is, is, is the Bible is alive. You need to understand it. It's not like any other book on the shelf anywhere. The Bible is alive. And, and every time you read it, you're going to see something new. Yep. I remember, uh, I remember, especially as a baby Christian, with my pastor, my mentoring pastor, he'd pull out, he'd pull something out of a scripture, and all of a sudden, I mean, I, I, I could see, when he explained it, I could see it so incredibly plainly that I would literally ask myself, how did that get in there? Because I had read the scriptures time and 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 time again, but all of a sudden, one verse would pop out. In fact, I asked that question today when I was writing this thing for Miss Stacy. I said, oh, my gosh, how did that get in there? I mean, I just about fell over, so to speak. So as we go through these chapters, that's why it takes some time. It's because we're seeing stuff that we've probably likely glanced over and never thought too much about it before. Let's see. Or the one that I'm on? Or the, the one you're trying to explain. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. It's the last third of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and it's, only, it's only like a page long in the Bible. And she's got seven and a half pages. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Miss Stacy. But it's good. it'll be good when you get it. It'll be good when you get it. See, here, here's the thing. No. Here's the thing about the word, Pat. <laughs> here's the thing about the word, Pat. It's there's always deeper revelations. It's kind of like an onion, you know. Yeah. Uh, every time you peel off a layer, there's another layer underneath. 
And there's another layer. Once you begin to understand that first outer layer, then you can peel that off and you can start start the next start layer. on the next layer and then the next layer, the next layer. It's like a never-ending no. thing. And there's always deeper revelations. And, you know, Pastor Hagen, when he was in his 80s, he was asked by a group of ministers, they said, hey, you know, we know you studied all your life and, you, and you've got lots of experience. And, and lots been, of faith. And you've got lots of faith and, and, and you've, you've been doing this a long time. At what point did you get to where you didn't have to study so hard anymore and you could just and kind of sit faith. back and coast and use well, your faith? Yeah, well, you know, you, what, really they were asking him about faith. Uh, but faith, how much, you know, faith is based on the word. And they said, they said, you know, Dad, hey, at what point do you get there where you can kind of just sit back and coast with your faith and with the word is kind of what they asked him. And, and he, sa- he said, I don't know. I've never got there. Yeah. He, he said, said, I've never gotten to the point yeah. where I can just sit back and coast and I don't have to study anymore. Yeah. Because every time I open the Bible, I see new stuff. Yeah. Even though I've read the Bible, I don't know how many times it is. He, he, it was a bunch of times. He'd read the Bible cover to cover a bunch of times. At least the New Testament. He, he spent 90% of his time in the New Testament. Yeah. And, and he said, but I've never gotten to the point where I did not get new stuff out of it. Yeah. The word is new every day. The word is new every day. Um, so uh, let's pick up right here in um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, just to kind of refresh your mind where we were. I'm not, I don't plan on doing any commentary right there, uh, so let's just pick up, we'll read, and then we'll commentary probably around verse 13. All right, so verse 7, chapter 3. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many are for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So if you're not doing all the law, you're cursed. Yeah. So yeah, and and the, and it was a book, so yeah. there's a lot of laws. Yeah, if you're going to do any part of the law, you have to do the entire law. Verse eleven. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doth them shall live in them. So basically, and we already talked about this the prior weeks. If you're going to live, if you're going to do any part of the law, you have to do the entire Old Testament law. And and here's the deal. The law was not put in place to bring us into bondage of following a bunch of rules. The law was put in place to help man see his need for God. That's what the law is about. But, and and Paul is making the point that following the law is not going to, because people fail to follow the law all the time. They, they mess up the law all the time. So so he's letting us know, here Paul is telling us, he was telling these, these uh, New Testament Christians in Galatia not to be drawn back into being obedient to the law as the Jews that were coming to their church were trying to get them to do. Uh, and now uh, he said, no, no, he said, don't, don't get up under the law, instead live by faith we as new testament believers are to live by faith in christ what is faith faith is simply making the choice listen to me faith is simply making the choice to trust god at all times with all situations that's what faith is so many people say well i just don't have enough faith and what you're really saying is, I just don't trust God. That's really what you're saying. Now, a big portion of why a lot of people have a problem trusting God is because they've had their trust broken probably all of their life from various people. And most people judge God based on their earthly experience. That's right. Which you should never judge... Um, 
you know, would you would you want somebody if you had a really rough day, would you want some and maybe you lost your witness, would you want somebody to judge you based on that one day? No, of course not. Of course not. Um but, you know, or say that say that you um you know, say that you come from a hard family, a hard background, a hard family, but you've but you've endeavored to live right, to live clean, to live soft, to be good to people, to walk in love. Is it fair for people to judge you based on your family? No. I remember being in school. I didn't have this problem, but I saw friends that had it. And all through the years, but dealing with youth, we've seen this. You know, you've got the one student, the, the, the oldest sibling that goes into the school, and that student, you know, the oldest sibling may have had been, they may have been the star athlete. And then you come in and you're not athletic at all and everybody's like, what's wrong with you? Or maybe they come in and, and uh, the oldest sibling was a terror to the teachers, gave the teachers a hard time and just, and the teachers were like, oh my God, I was so glad to get them out of my, out of my grade. You can't, I can't even, and then here comes little brother who's all sweet and innocent and good or little sister, or little, you know, little Susie. And she's just, I mean, she brings the teacher an apple a day and sits quiet, does her work and everything. But she, you know, she ha- she gets a little hard spot, miss heard the teacher or something, leans over and asks her little friend, Amy, uh, what did the teacher say? Trying not to disrupt the class, and the teacher loses their mind because little Susie's uh, uh, older sibling was in the teacher's class two years prior and was the class clown. You know this type of thing. How much you know? Little Susie's being judged based on the older siblings. Well, that's what we do to God. We base our opinions of God and how trustworthy God is based on how people have tr- have treated us, or better yet how much or how untrustworthy we are. You know, we, I mean, if you break your word all the time, are you going to believe that God's going to stick to his word when you don't stick to yours? No. 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 So uh, this is a real problem. But as believers, we have to, but, but here's the deal. Faith is simply a choice. It's saying the word says it, I believe it, that settles it. Satan, I'm not playing the what if game. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. So he tells us, he says, uh, no, uh, if you are justified through faith, then live by the same faith. That's what he tells us. Verse 12. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doth them shall live in them. All right. Verse 13 and 14. Man, these are two powerful verses right here. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So what is this curse that Jesus is that, that Paul is talking about? This curse that Paul is talking about is the curse of that's listed in Deuteronomy twenty eight. Uh, recently we had you read Leviticus twenty six, which is the sister verse sister chapter to Deuteronomy twenty eight. And basically the curse is this. The curse is basically what the devil will do to you when you get over on his territory. Well, yeah, because you've That's removed yourself from the protection of God. From the protection of God. Of God. Uh, but Jesus, and, and that's the way the world works even today. The blessing and the cursing of the law is still in operation today. The only difference is, is if you're in Jesus, Jesus has paid your penalty of the curse and there for the sins that you have done, and therefore you no longer have to be under the curse. You know, that's why we need Jesus so desperately is because, you know, how much you know, uh, we've all messed up. We've all messed up. We've all missed it somewhere. We've all missed it somewhere. We've all uh, failed to honor mom and dad somewhere. We've all told a lie somewhere. We've all taken something that did not belong to us. No, I haven't. I ain't ever stole a thing a day in my life. Well, did you ever take the pen from the restaurant by accident? You know, have you ever gone to the bank and said, oh, can I borrow your pen to fill out the paperwork and uh, accidentally left with the pen? Did you ever go into, did you ever just run into the fast food restaurant and grab the napkins and the mustard and all that, get you the handfuls of stuff, extras? 
Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken the silverware from a restaurant because you liked it? Have you ever taken, don't tell on yourself, honey. Have you ever taken the towels, you know, uh, have you ever taken the towels from the hotels because they're nice and fluffy? Or, or, or you, uh, or you were traveling and you needed a pillow and you thought, well, the hotel's got lots of pillows. I'll just take one of theirs. These are things that people do and they don't think anything about it. Or they, or they make this excuse. Well, they're a big company. They can afford it. Have you ever, have you ever wasted time on the time clock? That's stealing. Because that employee is paying you to work for them. And if you're just sitting there not doing anything, you're stealing their money. You're stealing their money. See, so we've all made mistakes. Have you ever, now, again, don't lie, but don't tell on yourself either. Have you ever looked at somebody and thought about them in an inappropriate manner? You know what I mean? Uh, The Lord Jesus said that if you lust after a person in your mind, you're guilty of adultery. I mean, you know, so we've all come short, which means that we could all be charged with the curse. But thank God for Jesus, because he hung on the tree innocently, and he, because he, and he poured out his blood, which means, you know, our life is in the blood. So he poured out his life to purchase our life back from Satan. And because of that, we no longer have to be under the curse. So it says that Christ has redeemed us. That word redeemed is another accounting term. And it means um, to be part. It said that this word uh, redeemed means uh, to make payment of a to pay the payment of a price to recover from the power of another or to ransom. Jesus paid your ransom with his blood. Uh, another way another way we could say this is that um, you were uh, Satan was paid off to get you back from Satan because you sinned and were separated from God. Christ bought us from the dominion of the Mosaic law by the price of his death at the cross. In other words, when Christ died at the cross, we no longer were under the law of, of the Old Testament. That's, that's why Jesus went to the cross, was to say, no, Satan, just because they slipped up, just because they missed it, just because they sinned, doesn't mean that you have ownership of them anymore because I purchased them. That's right. Uh, Christ has redeemed us from the, from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. You have to understand, when you go back and you read Deuteronomy 28 or Levit- and or Leviticus 26, you need to understand that every single one of those curses was laid completely upon Jesus' physical body. He became, the Bible says that he became one with our sin. Which means every single one of those penalties he endured on our behalf on the cross. Every sickness, every disease. And he was able to do this because the scriptures, because it's written in the law of God. You need to understand, this Bible right here, this book right here, it declares how, um, how the spirit realm works. And so... Because God, because the Spirit, because there's a law in the Spirit that says if, a man, if an innocent man hangs on the tree and the curse is laid upon him, then that man's penalty pays the price for those that will receive him. It's actually written in, it's actually written in heaven that way. It's, it's part of uh, what you would call the spiritual legal statutes is what you could say it that way. And here's why. Oh, my goodness, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon who? The Gentiles. The Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? The Gentiles are the uncircumcised. In other words, those that are outside of the covenant, those who are not of Jewish lineage and who are not and who have not been of faith, they can now... Uh, Receive the blessings of Abraham through Jesus Christ. 
that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Oh, goodness. Everybody, everybody's all about the promised land in the Old Testament. Let me tell you what the promised land in the Old Testament is. Though, though there is a truth that there is a physical land in the Old Testament, which we know to be as Israel today, there is a truth to that that is actually a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us like the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus in his day. The promise of the Spirit. Well, where, where did he promise this? In, uh, for your notes, he made the promise for this in, uh, in the Gospel of John, Big John, uh, chapter 14, 15, and 16, is where Jesus talks about the Holy Ghost, and he makes the promise of the Holy Ghost. But I don't want to turn there for the sake of time. Uh, just understand that the reason that Jesus went through what he went through was for the promise. Uh, it's also, you can also see the promise of the Spirit being poured out and being fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And he specifies what the promise is in Acts 2.33. Glory to God. Well, let's get on to chapter, to verse 15. <laughs> verse 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now... Uh, right here he says brethren which means those that are of faith in christ which means the cisterns too he said he said i'm speaking to you as though a man speaks and then say this basically uh he said he said men and he says uh though it be a man's covenant let me tell you something the covenant that we walk in is not man's covenant. No. Man did not initiate the covenant. God initiated the covenant. Man, all of the humanity, did not even enter into the covenant uh, with God. Jesus actually entered the covenant in Genesis chapter 15 on man's behalf. So, when we, we like, people like to say, well, me and God got an agreement. Or they'll say, oh no, I'm good, I'm making heaven, I'm in covenant with heaven, I'm in covenant with Jesus because I prayed a prayer. Most of the time they prayed a prayer from their head and they're just hedging their bets with making heaven most of the time. Uh, and I'm sorry to say that, but, uh, that's really what it is. He said, so he said this, he said, this is what men say. Men say, uh, this is our covenant. And Paul says, though it be but man's covenant, yet if that be confirmed or if that be true, uh, why is no, why can no man, basically is what he's asking, why can no man disannulleth or add thereto? In other words, why can, if, if man made it, why can man not change it? You can't change the covenant that you have with God. You're either, you are, you're either in it and accept it, or you're out of it. But you can't change it. You can't say, you can't say, oh, you know, I believe in Jesus, I receive Jesus, but I don't want to live clean and pure, so I'm going to hide my Jesus in a closet. I'm going to live like the heathen and a hypocrite, and then when I'm done being wild, then I'll start living right and letting the world know that I'm okay with Jesus, and whatever happens in the meantime, I'm still heaven-bound. You're trying to add to the covenant, and that don't work. You're trying to you're trying to adjust some things. You mean you can't make your own amendment with God? No, no, you can't. No, you can't. And so he so Paul makes it very clear: this is not man's covenant. This is God's covenant. This is God's covenant. So when we talk covenant, we need to say, um, I we need to say God has a covenant with me. God has made me a promise. You know. Uh, when you get married, you enter into covenant. You enter into covenant. Um, and man, man initiates marriage. And therefore, man, man is fickle uh, because if he gets out of a feeling, if he gets out of an emotion, if life gets hard, you know, I've heard people say this, uh, you know, they'll, they'll say the vows, for better, for worse, for good, you know, 
for better, for worse, for sickness, for poor, and all the sickness and health, you know, riches and poor and all that. And then uh, one of the spouses will come down with some horrible illness and uh, the, or, or, or some, they get in a tragic accident and now they're paralyzed or something. And the other spouse will say, you know what, I'm out. I didn't sign up for this. Uh, yeah, you did, boo-boo. You just didn't realize that's what you signed up for. You just didn't understand that's what you signed up for. But no, you did. And uh, now look at verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and two, and two seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. All right. So I need you to underline a couple of things right here. Mark it however you mark your Bible. Abraham and his seed. Put a box around it. Highlight that word seed something. Abraham and his seed singular. Singular. He said, uh, he said, now to Abraham and his singular seed were the promises made. God made the promise with two people. He made the promise with with Father Abraham and with the Lord Jesus Christ. That was it. That was it. Go back and read Genesis chapter 15. Uh, You've got to understand Old Covenant language, but Abraham didn't walk the, the covenant path Jesus did. It refers to him as smoke and vapor. Uh, He's the one that did it. So the only one that could fulfill the covenant was Jesus. God and Jesus. He said, notice he says, he saith not unto seeds. S-E-E-D-S. So Paul is making it very clear. The covenant is not with everybody of faith. The covenant is with Jesus. The covenant is with Jesus. One. One. And this is why we have to go through Jesus to get the promises. He said, and and to seeds as many, but as one, um, and to thy seed which is Christ. He clarifies right now who is the seed. The seed is Christ. The seed is Christ. The only way to get into the covenant is to go through the single seed, which is Christ. Amen. That's the only way you're going to obtain the promises. So this idea of you can go through any God out there, you can go through Allah, you can go through Buddha, you can go through... Uh, you know, one of the millions of Muslim gods? No, you can't. You can't go through Mother Earth and get in the covenant. You can't go through uh, Neptune, you know, the god of the seas. You can't go through him and get into covenant. The only way you can get into covenant is through the seed, Christ. Amen. That's the only way you get in. All right, let's keep going. Verse 17, And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ. Talk, you go, that, goes back to, that goes back to Genesis uh, chapter 13, chapter uh, 17, chapter 15, and all those chapters that talk about the covenant. Uh, who, wa- who walked the covenant walk? Christ did. He was the one that sealed the deal. Back there in Genesis. The law which was for ooh, excuse me. The law which was four hundred and thirty years after cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Now you're gonna read that verse and you're gonna go, wait, no, 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 wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was Abraham, and then Abraham had Isaac, and then Isaac had Jacob, and then Jacob got down through the line, had the twelve sons, they went into Egypt, uh, they were in uh, uh, in bondage to e- the Israelites were in bondage for over 430 years uh, for for um, 
400 and something years, uh, how in the world is Paul getting 430? I'm going to show you. So the, the covenant was made with Abraham. However, the 430-year time clock did not pick up until um, Isaac. So let's go right here. Um, let's turn to Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. Genesis 15:13. Let's see the promise. Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. Verse 13. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. All right. So during the cutting, this is right here where Jesus is getting ready to uh, walk the covenant in Abraham's place. But right before that, right before that, the Lord speaks to Abram and he says, Know this, that thy seed, who's the seed? Jesus, or, or, or those of faith, thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, shall serve, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. That 400-year time clock did not start right here. Where does this time clock start? The time clock starts in Genesis 46. Genesis 46. Genesis 46 uh, verses... Uh, Two through four. Let's read this. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt. And I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. All right. So here is where God tells Jacob to go down into Egypt. And we know that it's in Egypt that they become captive for 400 years. So the time clock does not start until Jacob goes into Egypt. Okay, but I thought Jesus was the seed. He is, but you've got to get to Jesus first. Remember, Abraham had two sons. He had Ishmael, which was the which is the type and shadow of the son of the world. He's the type and he he's the worldly child. He uh, Ishmael is the child that belongs to Satan. Because remember, Ishmael was conceived out of sin. He was conceived out of sin. Isaac, however, was the promised child. And he was conceived out of the promise of God. Then Isaac birthed one son, had one son, uh, Jacob. It was Jacob that was the seed of... It, it, it was Jacob that represented the seed of God, the seed of Abraham in uh, the Israelite nation. It was Jacob that had the 12 sons that took uh, God's people into imprisonment for, or into captivity for 400 years. So the 430-year time clock doesn't that Paul is referring to did not start until Jacob with all 12 sons enters Egypt. So now let's go back to Galatians. Now see if you've never read Galatians, 
I mean, if you've never read Genesis, how are you going to know what he's talking about in the 430 years? You're not. But here's something to help you. I've been studying the Bible for four, for 20 plus years, and I never paid any attention to the 430 years till just recently. But did it hinder my faith walk? No. Not in any way. Not in any way. Not in any way. But as I learn more about the history, as I learn more about the character of God, as I learn more about the Word, the better my understanding of God. All right. So he said, uh, in verse 17, he verse said, 17, and this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before God, uh, before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. So one of the things that confirmed that mankind is in covenant with God was the was Abraham's seed, Abraham's godly lineage had to go in to a strange land, Egypt, and be there for 400 years and serve the people of that land. Did that happen? Yes. Yes. So that confirms the covenant of Abraham. That's what he's talking about. So now we know that what God said came to pass. So that just verifies the covenant. Verse Verse 18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Glory to God. So the promise, to understand inheritance, you have to understand, to understand what we have in Christ, you have to understand inheritance. Let me say it that way. Inheritance, listen. When you leave this earth, you don't take anything but your spirit with you. Right? The only thing that goes is your spirit. Your spirit goes. Your spirit goes. Uh, all your uh, collectibles, they stay here. All your money stays here. All your fancy cars stays here. All your family that's still alive, they stay here. It all stays here. Your fine, listen, your fine purses and shoes and, you know, your uh, sub boxes and your video games and your movie collection and whatever you think is so precious. You know, that letter jacket from high school that you probably can't get one arm into. You know, that's just that treasure. That wedding dress that's been in the black bag or the box up in the attic that you've never looked at since the day you got married, it all stays here. It all stays here. But when you leave here, your family or whoever you designate, and if you don't designate anybody and you don't have any family, then the state, somebody's going to acquire all of your stuff, all of your precious possessions. Everything that you own is going to go to somebody. That's called an inheritance. Well, guess what? Jesus left us an inheritance. See, when he was here on when he was here on the earth, he operated. Listen, Jesus was rich. Do you know that he had at least two houses, and one of them was a beachfront house? It was right there on the seashore. One of his houses. I mean, he had money. He had it going on. I mean, he had such a fine wardrobe, they actually gambled to see who got it. Do you remember that? Roman soldiers, yeah. Yeah, they gambled to see who got his clothes because they were a fine linen. Jesus was not poor like the world wants you to think he was. Jesus left us an inheritance. And our inheritance is everything that God has, Jesus has, and everything that Jesus has, we have. So it says, for the inheritance, for if the inheritance be by the law. In other words, if you could get everything that God has through the law, then it's no more of a promise. See, when you die physically. Right, there's no faith required. Because when you die physically, by law, your family's getting your stuff whether you want them to or not, unless you have it written down to do something different. And even then, that's questionable. He said, but God gave to Abraham. By promise, which means the way you're going to obtain the promise is the same way that Abraham obtained the covenant, by faith, by faith. 
The only way you are going to obtain the blessings of God is through faith. That's the only way. And I think that's a good place to stop tonight. I think that's a good place to stop. So it looks like it's going to take us another week. (laughs) But that's all right. That's all right, because you learned some things. You know what? If it takes us six months and we get as much out of it as, as, as Martin Luther got out of it, that's okay. You know what? You know. You know, this good place to stop. You know, uh, you gotta you got to stop and think on these things, meditate on these things. Sometimes you got to slow down a little bit and really think these things through. And uh, it's real important, you know, and what I talked about in the first half of the sermon about dividing the word, that's important. Because if you don't understand what to ask when you read the scriptures, you're going to miss important details of the scriptures. You'll miss important details. Um, Somebody hand me an envelope, please. Thank you, sir. Derek, come on up. I'm going to have you serve the people tonight, Mr. Derek. You got this. I know it. It was the Holy Ghost. Blame him. Blame him. He come in. He. I saw him right before. I saw him before church. He walked in the door. He said, "Pastor." I said, "What?" He said, "You are injuring me." I said, "What are you talking about?" And then I realized we worked those legs hard yesterday. We worked them so hard. He said, uh, he said, Pastor, I slid out of the bed this morning, and I went, oh, Jesus, what happened? Oh, Jesus. And then he went, Pastor. So turnabout's fair play. Because was, that was me a couple of weeks ago. All right. You want to bless the offering tonight? Sure. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this word that we've received. We thank you that it falls on good ground and it will grow and bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. Because your word tells us that we are to share your word and to share the good news. So we will share it, Lord. And we will meditate on it throughout the week. And Lord, we just love you and we thank you for this blessing. We thank you for drawing us closer to you as we seek you with our whole hearts. And Lord, we just want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give into your kingdom with a generous heart, with a grateful heart because of all you've done for us. And Lord, we ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work. And Lord, please just bless us so that we can become a bigger blessing to you, Lord, and to to your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're mine. (laughs) <laughs> they were ours. <laughs> I was wondering what that noise was. Father, we do thank you. Father, we thank you that your word is true. Your word is working. Satan can't touch it. Uh, the angels have to go cause prosperity to come. And, Father, we thank you. We glorify you. We magnify you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Father, you can serve the people. Uh, we got service Sunday. Uh, we'll, have, we'll be here for both services. Well, the church will be here for both services. Uh What's coming up? You and I are going out of town. Oh, yeah. We're going out of town next week. (laughs) We're going out of town. Uh, We'll be gone next week, though. But there will be service service. next week. Yes, there will be service next week. And uh, on that note, we are dismissed. We love you all. Oh, yeah. And prayer Friday. Prayer Friday. Prayer Friday.